You're listening to Upside Down, a podcast on spirituality and culture. No topic is off limits, so join us for unscripted conversations on God's Upside Down Kingdom. Hey friends, Kayla Craig here, and I am with Lindsay Wallace. Lindsay, say hi. Hey. So we are still coming down from the high of meeting in person at our first ever Upside Down Gathering in Chicago. And Lindsay and I were just reflecting about how we can't believe that it even happened. We don't know. <laughs> the Lord, the Lord made it happen. But guys, we gathered with 80 people from, what was it, 22 different states. And yeah, and somebody even flew in um, from a different country. And it was just incredible to meet the faces that we see in the little squares on Instagram or people that email us or are part of our Facebook group and to just hear from you and meet you and sit face to face. I mean, there's nothing like real life human community. (laughs) No, there's not. Yeah. Yeah. It was really amazing. It was incredible. And I've been telling people since then who ask, how did it go? That just that God did it. And I don't feel like, I mean, it went, I I just can't really imagine it going better, but I also don't feel like we can take any credit for it. Right. Yes. I mean, it was, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work. Yeah. But. (laughs) Understatement of the year. (laughs) More work than we thought it was going to be, but I, at the same time, don't feel like we can take a ton of credit for. Right. For how it went. Yeah. And the people at Jesus People USA were incredible. They showed hospitality beyond what I've ever experienced for hospitality. I mean, guys, they were setting up tables, tearing down tables, providing uh, just everything. So I I just want to give a quick shout out um, before, before we dive into the episode, just thanking them, thanking Wilson Abbey, where we had the event. It was an incredibly warm and inviting and beautiful space. I wish you all could have been there. If you ever are in Chicago, go visit Everybody's Coffee. It's in Uptown mm-hmm. Chicago. The coffee is so good. <laughs> and peek in and say hi, because they w- I know they would just be thrilled to have you. Um, they're really living upside down life and upside commu- down community. And I'm just blown away. Yeah, for sure. So, Lindsay, this episode was cool because I never thought I'd get to say this, but it was filmed, well, recorded in front of a live studio audience. Oh. What did we even say? (laughs) I don't know. It was all a blur. There were lights and people. (laughs) I honestly, I I don't even know what we said. Yeah. Well, Andy, Andy Colbert, we, we roped her in and she came on stage with Lindsay and Shannon and I, and we talked about personal. We got personal. We thought if we're bringing people in, we just want to be real. And so we hope that as you listen, um, you just hear our hearts. Like this is just us and our stories of faith and, um, deconstruction of faith and reconstruction of faith and, and Mm -hmm. the hope that anchors us in. So we hope you enjoy this episode of Upside Down Podcast, the first ever live studio audience recording of it. It was pretty, pretty cool. It was pretty cool. And we just for sure want to say thank you to everyone who was there because without you all, it like literally would have, would not have happened. Um, But even just the conversations that were had at the event, after the event that are continuing to happen online. We're just so grateful that we get to be a part of that. And 
we might have been up on the stage, but we very much consider ourselves a part of the community. And so it's just really an honor to, like Kayla said, look people in the eye, have face-to-face conversations. It was, yeah, absolutely. It was meaningful for us, for us to be in that space as well. Mm-hmm. And our speakers, we want to thank them. They blew the roof off. I mean, the ground was sh- and the ground was shaky. <laughs> like we we have stuff to chew on for a long time, and we are working on making, um, doing our best to be able to make some of those sessions accessible to you guys, even if you weren't able to attend. So stay tuned for that. And if you are um, an upside down podcast Patreon donor, we. Um, Lindsay, Shannon, and I did uh, a live Q&A where people just came and asked their questions. They bravely walked to a mic in front of a bunch of people and asked their questions. And they were amazing questions. And I don't know if they were amazing answers, but they were incredible, thoughtful (laughs) questions. And we are going to make that available to all of our Patreon donors. And Patreon is just a tool that we use to keep Upside Down crowdsourced and not... um, so we can be ad free. So it's really easy uh, to become a monthly patron. Um, you can start as low as you want, um, but that's um, we're going to make that as a download for you guys, um, just as like a special thank you. Yeah, we also have some not so exciting news to share. A little bit sad news um, at yeah. the end of the what you won't hear on this live episode recording is at the very very end of the recording in the Q&A Shannon shared that she is stepping away from the podcast um just really to be intentional with her time she shared that at the gathering and we've shared it on social media but if you haven't if you weren't at either of those places and didn't hear that news yet we wanted to share it here as well so that you hear it from us mm-hmm. and we are in the process of figuring out what does that mean, and um, we're not sure yet is the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but you can go if you're not already a part of our Facebook group. It's the Upside Down Tribe. If you search for that on Facebook, and we put a little poll up in there asking our listeners and the folks who are really engaged in that group, like, what kind of um, conversations do you want us to be having going forward, and and what do you think we should do? You know, with um, with the fact that there's just a couple of us here, we never really set out to be an interview style podcast, although we have been doing more interviews lately and we really value those. But yeah, we really want the input of the community um, to be a part of the process and decisions that we have to make going forward. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, we should also note that um, we have known all of this in the works for a long time with Shannon. So it's not like she was just like, drop the mic and left the building. (laughs) We've known for a long time and we were just really trying to be intentional uh, about how we move forward and trying to be really discerning with seeing what God has in store for just this little podcast and who will join us. And we're really excited. And it's kind of just another jump into the unknown, which is what it was at the gathering. So (laughs) we're just so grateful for you guys. And we hope you enjoy this episode of Upside Down Podcast. So this is kind of a fun experiment for us. Um, Lindsay and I were talking to Tammy, who is one of our breakout session leaders. And we were telling her like, you know, we're not, we're not sure about what we're doing or what to expect or what's going on. Like normally we talk into the dark abyss, not knowing anything. And she said, it's a holy experiment. So tonight we are going to have a holy experiment of our own. 
And we are going to record this episode to share with everyone who wasn't able to attend. And Andi is going to be our kind of moderator. Yeah, give her applause. (laughs) Thank you. It's so good to be with you guys. We're so glad to have you. And this, honestly, guys, we roll so last minute. We, Lindsay's like, um, maybe we should have somebody ask the questions. And I was like, oh, maybe we should. And then she's like, I think Andy would be good. And Andy was a guest with one of our episodes in the past, and she rocked it. And we we're excited to have her back. She's also going to be doing a breakout session tomorrow. She is a licensed mental... Licensed professional counselor. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got yeah. it. She's like, don't mess it up, Kayla. Yeah, Get it's it right. Fine. It's, <laughs> it's in that realm. It's yeah. good. It's good. So go ahead, take a seat, grab your coffee, and we're going to get started. Great. Well, it's so good to be with you guys. And truly, it's such an honor because you guys are just doing amazing things. Um, so tonight we're talking about faith under construction, which is such an important topic. And I think especially in our Christian culture right now, this matters so much. I know I know, this is something I personally worked through and walk through currently. And so excited to hear from you guys. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit about what your faith upbringing was like. No big deal. Just just a very light a small question, question here. <laughs> well, we can go down the line, right? We'll just make it work. So I'm Kayla Craig, and I grew up in a like loosely Protestant tradition, um, going, going to church off and on. I wouldn't say it was an evangelical upbringing, but very much an idea that there was a loving God and, um, yeah, kind of just the basic tenets of Christianity. And then I met this dude who's in the back of the room, by the way, and he was raised in a very um, conservative, fundamentalist, Baptist upbringing, and we were sitting in his car one night when we were dating, and we were in high school, and he was like, well, Kayla, I really like you, but um, are you saved? And I was like, what does that mean? And he was like, I mean, if you died today, are you going to heaven? And, and I was like so offended. I was like, do you think I'm a bad person? Like what I, that language I had never heard before. That was so foreign to me. And I thought, did I do something like wrong? And I just felt like this sense of like shame. Like he thought I wasn't going to heaven. And like, you know, I just kind of fumbled through this answer. And, um, anyway, I ended up forgiving him for, you know, blurting that out. <laughs> He's giving me a thumbs up from the back as he holds Shannon's baby. I feel like I, sh- I need to narrate that for our people who aren't in the live audience. Like, if only you yes. could see. <laughs> also, but- Kayla introduced herself because she's trained herself to say her name before she talks. Because you all keep saying you can't tell us <laughs> apart. So she's like, this is Kayla. And my answer is... <laughs> Also, Lindsay was like, "Kayla, we can't be rambling, so I'm gonna, re- I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, tighten this up." I was, I was telling that was not me interrupting you. To- <laughs> I, I was telling um, somebody that I use like a hundred words for every like two words that Lindsay uses, <laughs> but I use like two hundred to get to my point. So my answer That's will true. not be when this you long. average it; it's totally normal. Yeah. <laughs> 
anyway, all of that to say, I married this guy. He introduced me to some tenets of Christianity that I didn't know that were actually really great and, and brought in my horizons. Um, so that was kind of my upbringing, and now I kind of feel like I've come full circle a little bit, and we can touch on that a little more, but that was kind of my, my foray into learning that there's a lot bigger picture of Christianity than I had ever thought for good and for bad. Um, so this is Shannon for recording purposes. <laughs> um, I grew up, my dad was actually a Baptist pastor, and... Um, was pretty moderate, and so I didn't really hear the word evangelical when I was younger, so I'm not sure if my parents identified as that or not, Um, and then my dad went on to teach at Baylor University, and so he stopped being a pastor, but, you know, religion was always very much a part of our lives, Um, and then I kind of fell away for a little bit. And then when I came back to the faith, I was um, within this church that was very, very evangelical, um, very strong in community and missions and a lot of really great things. Um, But I think I maybe like swung the pendulum really far the other way. And then my husband and I were missionaries in Indonesia for a couple of years and um, kind of in that time, we started asking a lot of questions about, um, like, what we believed about salvation and what we believed about, you know, um, missions and evangelism and all of those um, kinds of complicated questions that don't really have easy answers. And we came back and um, kind of started exploring different expressions. We still really loved the community that we had been in, but we tried out um, an Anglican church for a while. That was really great. Um, we ended up landing on Catholicism, and so we, let's see, we became Catholic like four years ago, and for me, um, Catholicism sort of felt like a, people say, it's a huge tent, and you can sort of find anybody that you want in this tent, and there's all kinds of different expressions, but I think having that unity was was really important to me, having an identity um, beyond just like the loose term Christian, I liked the idea of belonging to one particular expression of that, um, but there was still, I felt like, a lot of room for us to grow and change within Catholicism. So so I did not grow up in the church um, and kind of felt like a blank slate coming in and have since come to realize that none of us are truly blank slates. Um, but my introduction to the church was an old white guy telling me I was being used for sex and what would I do if Jesus showed up on my doorstep? Oh, that's even worse than my story. (laughs) Johnny's looking pretty good now. (laughs) Johnny wasn't that white guy. So, um, but so it just kind of set me down this, it was a really a year long journey of going, okay, well, um, what does that mean? And do I believe what this book says? And well, what if Jesus did show up on my doorstep? Like, what would I say? Um, and so I, I, you know, came back around to realizing, well, no, I, I do believe what this book says. And I, and I feel confident that if Jesus showed up on my doorstep, shame would not be what he flung at me. Amen. Um, so, entered kind of like 
a church plant environment that was 20, 20, kids in their 20s, like skaters showing up with ratty jeans, and it felt like home. Um, Little did I know it was um, Baptist church plant. So I was drinking that water without realizing it for several years, and there's nothing wrong with Baptist water, but... I didn't know I was drinking it. Can we make that a hashtag? There's, There's nothing, nothing wrong with Baptist water. <laughs> um, yeah, so I didn't know I was drinking it for, I mean, gosh, maybe 10 years. And um, I'm now part of an ecumenical Christian order among the poor. So I get to interact with my Catholic friends and work side by side with a lot of different people and have... Um, just asked a lot of questions in the last year, especially about God that don't have answers. And so I think I'm becoming more comfortable with unanswered questions and still wanting to follow Jesus wherever he leads, but realizing um, there's just a lot of things that we humans don't have figured out, and I'm coming to be okay with that. This can be sort of a popcorn question, whoever feels like it. Um, I'd love to know what, what, do, what have the pivotal points look like in your journey? And could you flesh out a little bit more what has deconstruction looked like in your life and in your faith? No, no softball questions? Like, I was like, what's your you favorite must not dessert? Know me. Yeah. <laughs> We go right into the deep end. (laughs) I love it. We love it over here. (laughs) Well, I'll jump. Okay. So my husband's a pastor now, and I kind of got into this, this world of feeling a lot of shame for how I grew up and feeling like, wow, I never was, you know, baptized as an adult. And does that mean I'm not like signed, sealed and delivered? And so we were at a church that said, you have to be baptized as an adult before you can serve. And I really wanted to help serve. And so I did, and it was a big church and they clapped, but I felt a little bit unsettled because part of me felt guilty Like I was somehow undoing what my parents had done for me. And I just had this tension because I'm like reading scripture and going through and saying, this this kind of makes sense to me, but this kind of makes sense to me. And really starting to figure out, I have to pray and I need to figure this out for myself. You know what I mean? And realize that there's a lot of people who love the Lord, and God loves them all, and we have very different views on some of these tenets, and that's okay. And we don't have to feel shame. And I remember going home. I was in college when I was baptized as an adult, and I remember going home and sitting on my bed and crying, saying, Mom, I was baptized as an adult. And she's like, that's okay. And I was like, I just felt like I didn't want you to be, you know, upset with me. And I I think it's all good. And, you know, so I feel like even in college, I was really working through a lot of tensions about what I believed. And every camp was felt like they were like telling me they were right. And I was just trying to figure out what what do I believe? And um, gratefully, I felt like my husband and I we um, were crazy, and we got married when we were 20 and 21, so that's, like, another story for another day, but 
we kind of grew together and we started digging in together in college. So we were learning about the world and learning about injustice and also seeing that Christians, it doesn't just have to be this Sunday morning thing. And when you're in college and you've never learned any other way, it feels like the world is so big. (laughs) And so for a while then, we were really kind of in this... um, this evangelical culture. We went to a cool church plant like Lindsay and we were like, this is amazing. And, and then, you know, he served in other capacities and I realized now we're back at a church. That's a lot more like the church I grew up in and I love it, but I feel like I had to come full circle almost to appreciate the beauty and to see the strengths that are in so many um, different strains and denominations. And I've loved getting to know Shannon and talk about her journey. And I feel like I'm always peppering her with questions. Mm. (laughs) I love it. I know. It's great. So, yeah, part two. Wonderful. How about Miss Shannon? I thought you were going to be tricky and go to Lindsay. (laughs) Who's she going to say? Yeah. um, I mean, I think probably... The biggest turning point in my journey from charismatic evangelical, evangelical missionary at that, um, to where I find myself today is, was the adoption of our first son. Um, well, our only adopted son, but our oldest son, because there was a lot of, and I, we ha- I talk about this on our individual interviews. We all have those on the podcast. So if it interests you, you can go back and find any of our stories, but um, there's just a lot of, of praying for healing, emotional healing, um, particularly, and not seeing any answers to that. And, um, the toll that it took on all of us was, was very severe. And it was really something that my, um, faith education, I guess you would say, my preparation and for like the, the two years of missions training school that we did and, and our time as missionaries and even my college formation before that, nothing really had prepared me for that experience of crying out to the Lord so consistently and sincerely and not, um, not seeing anything change. And so that really broke down... Um, certainly my view of healing and like, I mean, we were specifically taught, I'm not trying to speak, speak poorly of where I came from because I appreciate it very much, but we were specifically taught that, that praying for healing, that healing is always God's will. So if healing doesn't happen, then it's, you know, a lack of faith or I don't know, some, something that you're not doing right. Um, and there, it was acknowledged that there was there was mystery there and confusion and pain. Um, but so when that became really personal and when it was my child who was innocent and undeserving of his suffering, I really had to confront this, this um, reality that I think what I had been taught was not the truth. And I think that's a really huge thing in adulthood to, to kind of come to this because in our youth and even into our teenage years and some of us, including myself, into our 20s, it's like, oh, well, clearly these people are telling me the truth. Like, and it is true to them. Um, They're certainly not trying to be deceptive, but 
I think it's it's sort of like becoming an adult and realizing your parents weren't perfect all along. You know, of like, oh, these mothers and fathers of faith who were very sincere were still not perfect and didn't see perfectly. So that was a big turning point for me. Thank you for that. Um, Lindsay, I know you mentioned that you came to faith later. And so I'd love to hear from that perspective of more um, as an adult. Uh, was it Were you an adult or a teenager? I was 23. Okay, 23. So I'm wondering if that maybe looked a little bit different in terms of your road um, towards um, deconstruction. Yeah, it definitely did. And I, I think that's why I'm having a hard time answering this question because... When we talked about this being our topic for tonight, I told Kayla, I'm kind of like a kindergartner, and you guys are kind of like in junior high. <laughs> so, I'm um, in fifth grade. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's there wasn't a moment, there are continuous moments, you know? And it's so it's not as black and white like I was taught this and I believed it and I was raised believing it and wait, now it's not true. It's more, I've been drinking this water and I didn't realize it until I was in a situation, you know, similar to Shannon where you're crying out to God, you're asking for healing, you're told these things are true about who God is, but you're not seeing it, right? And so I think my sort of deconstructing and stripping away and then holding things up to say like, oh wait, is this what I really believe has really happened in the last few years of living in my neighborhood and intentionally moving towards suffering um, and just having questions that I can't answer. And I think I've come to realize that we I guess just as humans, I don't know, like we're not okay with not being okay. And so therefore, we're not always honest about not being okay, but we're also not okay when other people are not okay. So that adds like a new layer of kind of what you were describing, like, well, there must be an answer. You, it, like, you're not praying hard enough or something. Like, we've got to fix it. We have to have the answer. And that is just mind-boggling to me because like, we're human and God is God. Like, how could we know everything about God? But we're kind of taught that we should, right? Like, we're kind of taught that we should have answers and that we should know things for sure. Like, this is factual. Um, right. So then when we have questions that everything feels like all of a sudden we're in crisis mode. Right. Because we're not told it's okay to be in the ambiguity. To ask questions. Yeah. And to not be okay. Yeah. So, I mean, really it feels con- continuous, you know, which I think it is for all of us. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And especially just in my experience as a, as a therapist, I see a lot that um, folks don't know how to handle tension. We're not really trained, especially often in Christian culture, to hold um, paradox or tension. And we see that come out. And I think you guys are, are speaking to that so well. Um, one of the things I'm wondering as we're talking about this is, what have been your resources as you're, as you're walking through deconstruction, what has supported you in the process? I have a totally Jesus juke answer. Um, yes. <laughs> so I, my answer is Jesus. And I say that because. <laughs> fair. That's really fair. Okay. Um, Make us look bad. I um, 
think we don't really know what the life of Jesus looked like. And I realized I don't really know what it was like to be in the first century as a Jewish man with brown skin. Like, I don't know what that's like. Um, And we've so westernized and colonized and we've turned Jesus into our own image. And so for me, really in the last year, I've decided I just need to study Jesus. Like, I just need to know what what he did and what his life was like and the people that he went to and the voices that he centered. And, like, because there's, like, there's a whole lot of stuff in the Bible I can't wrap my mind around. But if I can just study the life of Jesus, I, I'll be okay. You know, like, all those things we don't have answers for, all those things we don't understand, all the things, if I can just be okay with that and like truly as much as I can understand him like that's enough I think that makes a lot of sense I have something to tag on to that but um, some writers who have really helped me in the process are Jean Vanier who I talk about all the time getting an amen in the back Um, (laughs) That his writings in particular really walked me through that time of trying to understand why God would let my child suffer and um, realizing that it was less about everything being perfect and more about our own hearts in the process and becoming um, people who live incarnationally in this world. And along that line, Father Gregory Boyle, Kayla and I just saw him the other day. Yeah, we did. Um, He gave my baby a shout out. I'm just saying. He knows my baby exists. Um, um, Also, Barbara Brown Taylor. I really appreciate her work. Um, Father Richard Rohr. I'm going to have half the Catholics giving me a skeptical look on that and half, you know, cheering me on. But I I really appreciate him. Um, So to, to be totally, you know, forthcoming, I am finding myself anew in the past, really, I guess it has never stopped <laughs> the past eight years, um, but it feels, it feels raw and fresh right now, um, this deconstruction and trying to mature in my faith in a way that I can hold tension. Um, and so one thing that I'm doing right now is the Ignatian exercises developed by St. Ignatius, getting more amens in the back. Um, <laughs> And for new Catholics to be an amen kind of crowd, and I'm digging it. <laughs> um, but it's very much about trusting your responses. Um, and in that, trusting that that is how God is speaking to you and following, kind of noticing and paying attention um, to your, your physical responses, your emotional responses, whether positive or negative. And that's really been helpful for me. So what... I was thinking when Lindsay was talking about that was um, the other day I was reading Psalm 139, which is really beautiful. And what you're supposed, they tell me, supposed to take away from it is like how much God loves you. But there's parts of it that are like, I've given Egypt in exchange for you and Ethiopia in exchange for you and all of these things. And I'm like, I don't understand how this is God, which is basically the Old Testament. Everybody's like, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) I'm like, what is that? Like, Anyway, you know, that's a whole nother comp, but it was like, it brought up strong feelings that I didn't really like. Mm -hmm. And then, but then the next day 
I was reading, the assignment was Luke 12. And so I'm reading that. And with the Ignatian exercises, I'm paying attention. And like the beginning of it is Jesus gathered his disciples around and he spoke. I mean, you know, I'm paraphrasing. But immediately when I read that, I, I felt this sense of comfort and relief. Like, oh, it's Jesus. Like, I know this, this man I love. You know, like, I don't know the answers to all of my questions right now. But, like, there is something that I can trust and that I can find um, refuge in, in his words. And so that's really giving me life right now. That's so good. And I think I just echo so much of what both of you have um, said. And I think about suffering and also as a parent who has seen a child um, suffer. And we don't have Kleenexes, so I'm not going to go into that. (laughs) But um, yeah, it's hard. We wrestle a lot every day wondering why. And um, I read Kate Bowler's book, and she says, my Catholic friends do struggle really well and suffer really well. And they understand suffering. And I think that is so true. And I've learned um, a lot, even in the past year. I've, I've never heard of Jean Vanier before, and now I do. And I'm so glad. And it's been um, comforting to me. His words have been very comforting. And I had um, the chance when we first started our podcast to get to meet um, Dr. John Perkins and sit in a room with him face to face and talk with him. And that was such a pivotal moment for me because I, um, that was one of the first books I read kind of coming into a new season of faith, one of his books with, um, Shane Claiborne. And I was like, wait, it was like, the record scratch, like, like what? (laughs) So to be able to sit with this man who has so much to teach all of us, um, was really profound. And then just a couple weeks ago, I get, got to sit in a little room in a Catholic, um, parish in Des Moines, Iowa and talk with father, uh, father G and, to be able to sit with him face to face and ask him my questions about prayer and suffering and our daughter Eliza, who has a lot of special needs, was just a gift <laughs> um, because I was genuinely asking. Like this is, I was like, this is for the podcast, but, <laughs> but kind of not. But kind of not. <laughs> and I have to say, afterward, he looked at me and he just said, "Kiddo." you're great. And I thought, I believe you. And I don't usually believe that when somebody says something nice, I'm a skeptical Enneagram eight. And I'm like, yeah, but what are you really saying? You know, (laughs) what do you want? Yeah. (laughs) But to feel like somebody who has been very intimately connected to suffering and seen some of the worst of the worst of the worst. I mean, how many people has he had to preside over at a funeral? He has seen suffering and lived suffering, and yet he has joy. And to be able to look at somebody and feel almost like, I mean, it's crazy, but kind of like light coming out of someone in that way who's looking at you and saying it's not because of what you're doing that's great. It's not because of your work on the podcast or because of your family or whatever you've achieved or whatever theology you believe or don't believe, but just you. Like, you have the image of God and you're great. And I just kind of feel like I want to look at all of you in the eye and say, kiddo, you're great. (laughs) 
Oh, that's so good. And it, it reminds me, I'm guessing you guys like him too, but Henri Nouwen. And just, I think about when you talk about Father G, even like just the wounded healer and what beauty is there as we lean into suffering that often, even as we are wounded, we are actually opened up in a really beautiful way. So I love, I love what you guys are saying. Um, so you have all mentioned that deconstruction is hard, um, and that's so fair. And But I also want to talk about um, reconstruction. And so it, in all of your stories, I hear a theme of like um, a, a circular aspect of this. And so I'd love to hear, so as we are, you know, as it gets broken down, how then is it getting built back up? I just talked, so when do you guys have to go? <laughs> just a softball question. Another one. Why are you all looking at me? Okay, I'll, I'll take a stab at it. I mean, I think it's no, none of us want to answer because we're still trying to figure that out, you know? Yeah, but absolutely. I think it's crucial to be asking that question. Um, between us, we've kind of discussed how that phrase, reconstruction, is getting really popular um, in Christianity right now, and especially in our age demographic, um, it, we're hearing it a lot, but Kayla has pointed out, we're not hearing a lot about reconstruction. And yeah, we hear a lot about deconstruction. Yeah. Right. Yep, yep. Yes. Did I say it wrong? Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> anyways, but yes, so that, and I think that that is, um, that's what I refuse to give up on, um, because I I refuse to live the rest of my life cynical and bitter and um, skeptical about Jesus and the Christian faith. Like, I believe in it, you know? Even if at the end of my life, it, I, I feel like it looks really different than how I thought it looked when I was a child or in my 20s or 30s. I think that's appropriate, you know? Um, I think it, it should grow because if it doesn't, then it means that we know as much as God, that God isn't mysterious, you know, um, which isn't true. So it should be constantly changing, and we should be constantly wrestling with it. Um, So I don't have any great answer about being reconstructed, but I am refusing to give up on reconstruction. Um, And practically right now, what that looks like in my own life is meeting with God through yoga and through the Ignatian exercises. Our um, uh, our friend, and she was on the podcast for a while, Christy James, wrote a really great article for Christ and Pop Culture um, about Mr. Rogers. Woo woo! But one of the things she writes um, kind of in the narrative is this idea of, I believe, help me in my unbelief. And I, I find myself praying that all the time. Like, I have a laundry list of reasons not to believe but I have one reason to believe and that is enough and I and I also agree that stubborn hope is something that I'm I believe and I'm clinging to even when I don't have a lot of answers and sometimes I feel like I have no answers (laughs) yeah I would say for me um I've sort of realized that I'd been in spaces where knowledge of God was highly esteemed, but the experience of God was less esteemed or even ignored. And so it's really, I mean, not that I've given up on having knowledge, but I think if I want to know who Shannon is, I will, 
and I had the opportunity to be with her or read a book about her, I would choose to hang out with her. And so I think the same thing is true. And um, yeah, so I've just tried to focus more on how do I experience God and how can I put myself in that space, whether it's physically or mentally, more? And how can I um, get to know who God is through experiencing him as opposed to just trying to increase my knowledge of him? So as you think about all these answers, and it makes me wonder how in this process of both deconstruction and reconstruction has your view of God changed? He's become much more loving and merciful to me. Would you ladies agree? Yeah. I just keep thinking. That like, was like a classic Lindsay answer. You could have yeah. different words. <laughs> I just keep thinking that I would make a really crappy atheist. Like, there are even times where I'm like, I don't know how to keep believing, but I can't stop believing. If that makes sense. Don't stop. <laughs> She's asking Featuring for Featuring Kayla. That just happened. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I hear everyone sort of unpacking. Like, it's almost like there's, at the beginning, this really broad view of God. And that is, that I hear maybe has some damaging things connected to it. And that almost always... I'm hearing a theme that unpacking it looks like getting to the essence of who God is. And I'm, and I'm hearing that as being loving. And that seems like a really important piece. I just hear that theme throughout your stories. So I'm also wondering, do you still consider, do, does anyone consider themselves an evangelical? And I know, Shannon, you've answered that. Well, actually... Some Catholics do consider oh, okay. themselves evangelical. I'd love to hear about so, that. Okay. Um, but no, I'm not one of them. <laughs> Just painting the full no, picture. No, that's there. good though. I because I don't. I didn't. I actually did not know that. I didn't know that either. Okay. All right. Shannon's helpful. Some knowledge bombs. Thank you. <laughs> okay. I don't totally even know what that word means. See, I'm still in kindergarten. I wasn't lying. I mean, I've listened to interviews with really smart people who argue about that and whether or not they are or are not and the four tenets of what it means. And I'm still like, do we believe in Jesus? I don't know. I have a problem with labels for people. So I don't claim that label, Mm -hmm. but it still really confuses me. So there was a point in my life where I would have been like, heck yes. And then there was a point where I would have been like, no. And I'm like with Lindsay, like I love Jesus and I would like other people to experience um, freedom and get to know him in the way that I have had glimmers of getting to know him. But um, the way that it's broadly used in 2018 America is not what I would align myself with. So as you think about your own faith journeys and sort of a faith scaffolding, um, what do you feel like, like what have you ultimately, I know we've talked a lot about like it's circular and all this stuff. 
What have you tried to keep and what has ultimately really fallen away? That we save people. Um, And Father G says, if you set out to save people, that, that won't work. But if you set out to savor the world and those you encounter, wouldn't you know you end up saving it? But, I mean, he's really talking about the communal aspect of, like, seeing the dignity of God in others. And so I think, um, man, the white savior mentality is deep, y'all. Like, it's in us. Um, and so coming to terms with that mm-hmm. is not super fun. Um, and it's layers. Oh, it's yeah, for layers sure. layers and layers and layers yeah. of it, yeah. So I think just that, that, like, that has got to go, that we save people, that we bring God with us when we go to hard places. You guys, Jesus is already there. He was there before I got there. He'll be there when I leave. <laughs> it's not me. So I think, like, that, that, I mean, it's, like Kayla said, it's a process. I didn't just take it off one day. But letting go of that and really embracing people and seeing them for who they are and where they are and not trying to change them and loving them as they are and being able to say that like we're not used to really saying like man god loves you today like not when you drop that habit not when you get off the street not when you say that prayer whatever yeah Yeah, say the prayer god loves you today like you are um and i just think we need to do a better job of saying that to one another and to people, to people who, like, wouldn't even claim Christianity, you know, like, no, God is in you, and I see that in you. It really reminds me of the quote, you can't save people, you can only love them. And it's not a Christian quote, but I don't think it makes it less true, you know, that it's like, that's really not your job. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. about for you Kayla <laughs> that was like, like it was like a trick like she was like I'm gonna pull another question nah I got you <laughs> I think I'm constantly learning and relearning what it is to let go of control and I am like okay I've lo- I've loosened my grip I'm good and then I'm like oh no I only got the like tip of the iceberg there uh and learning that no matter how wise I sound or the good sound bites that I can pull out, there are traps in all of it for me to feel like now I've achieved it, you know? And that I'm learning every day and every day I mess up, but every day I'm learning that it is not, and God does not have an achievement mentality. And guys, that creeps into all asked, you know, like all different types of ways of viewing faith, all denominations, all ways of seeing spirituality, it can very easily fall into a trap of, well, if you just read this book, or if you just align yourself with these thinkers, then you're, then you're doing it. And then, you know, and, and I just keep going back to like, God loves us right now. And it's not because of us. And that is grace to me and that I think some people can you know easily fall into this idea of like cheap grace where then we don't actually do much of anything 
but we can overcorrect, which is where I fall. And then I feel like what I'm doing is somehow going to bring me closer to God or closer to an enlightened way of thinking or whatever it is. And just to like loosen that grip is something I'm learning and learning that God is a a loving father who just loves me because I'm me, because he created me. And thinking about that even as I, like, see my kids, like, it doesn't matter what they do. I just love them because I love them. God just loves us. You know, Lindsay has said before in a podcast, God doesn't love us because he is loving. God loves us because he is, you know? That's really good and so important. It makes me think, too, about our our culture is so achievement-oriented, too, and, like, how much does that play into that? Um, But, Shannon, I have a funny question for you. You can either answer this question or I'm wondering how has your practice base, so, like, yoga and some of the experiential pieces, how has that influenced your faith? So for full disclosure, the, the Ignatian ex- exercises are new for me. It's something that I'm um, doing this academic year. And um, there's actually like a group at my church that is doing it and being led by someone. And so we're doing it at home um, 30 minutes a day. And then we meet once a week and kind of touch base and talk about it. So that's where I'm coming from. This is the first week. Um, but I'm an Enneagram 9. And so I... I um, stuff a lot of feelings, and I I said, yay for the peacemakers. I thought you said hokey smokiers. <laughs> like, <laughs> probably some nines are that. Um, um, but so I repress a lot of things. I ignore a lot of um, signs that my brain and my body are trying to give me. And so part of my my work that I'm doing right now is to be paying better attention to my own needs and to the way that God is speaking to me that I am um, have been accustomed to ignoring in order to keep the peace or meet other people's needs or whatever. Um, so for me, that means that these practices of paying attention to my body and to nature, to the world around me, um, is a real, really critical part of that. And so, um, for instance, like to, to be like giving some examples, for instance, like doing yoga and, and feeling like this feels really uncomfortable and tense and I want out. Like that's my peacemaker. Like I want to avoid this tension. I want to avoid, avoid, avoid. I want to run. Um, but just like sitting in it and feeling it in my physical body and saying like, Lord, let me learn to be one who can sit in tension, who can sit in duality, who can sit in mystery and, and not run away. Um, and my personal relationships and my relationship with God. So that's like an example with yoga and, um, the example I gave earlier was a very physical response, too, of, like, noticing that my body relaxed when Jesus started talking. Um, and that doesn't make everything okay. It doesn't, doesn't mean that I don't still have really difficult questions to wrestle with. But noticing that means something, that, that um, my relationship with Jesus, even though it feels really confusing right now, like, to notice that in the depths of myself— 
Like that's where my peace is. Um, yeah. So those are some examples. Mm, that's beautiful. And I think, you know, even from like a psychological perspective, we'd call that a resource, like such a deep resource. And I think that that is just, I love hearing you talk about that. Um, Lindsay and Kayla, I'd love to hear it um, just from that practice-based perspective. Like what do, what are helpful practices for you right now in your life as you're doing this work of both deconstruction and reconstruction? I really experience God in nature. So I just try to be outside a lot. And kind of what Shannon is saying, like take notice of how I feel in in that and the peace that comes in that. And um, yeah, I just, everyone's different, but I just really experience God in nature. So trying to really capitalize on it and spend as much time there as possible um, in this season has been good for me. When we started off our evening together, Lindsay, uh, well, as we were preparing, Lindsay's like, we're going to do some quiet like silence and I was like what that's weird you know like I don't sit well in silence and my life is really loud and when I gotta get quiet who knows what's like lurking you know like who knows what's going on in my brain and what do I have to sit with and what do I need to just spend time in the quiet and I think there's some of us that spend too much time in the quiet and then there's some of us that spend too much time in the crazy and so for me I'm learning I I have to spend time with the Lord I have to be quiet Mm -hmm. and I have to stop distracting myself all the time even in like I can sit and be quiet and still be like really loud in my brain so just taking that practice to kind of center and be quiet and um, even just a physical aspect of like opening my hands as I pray, it's kind of like this physical signal that I'm not clenching things so tight. I'm not up here, but I'm just like resting and being um, and just sitting with God and sitting in the tension and in the quiet and being okay with that because sometimes I feel like I sit and I'm like, well, didn't hear the voice of the Lord, so that was a fail, you know? <laughs> but it's okay. It's okay to sit in the tension. I'm grateful for friends that model that really well and model the quiet. And I feel like Lindsay and Shannon both do that really well and have been great examples. And I think that just shows you that we need community. And we need to learn from each other and see this is something that they're really modeling. And maybe I can incorporate some of that into my own life. Well, that's a great segue because this will be our last question. But the question is, is who in addition maybe, or you could still talk about um, Lindsay and Shannon, but who has helped mold your view of God? The sad thing is we all knew she was going to ask this question. We're like, oh, so unfair, (laughs) Andy. Who came up with this? It was me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would say the the writers that I mentioned before would definitely be on my list for forming, um, continuing to form my understanding of who God is. Um, I'm trying to think. 
Okay, I, I mean, lied. I have a better question. Okay. Sorry. Sorry, Kayla. Okay. <laughs> if you, okay, if you were talking to the you of five years ago, what advice would you give her? Girl, you have no idea. <laughs> it's like the real world. You think you know, but you have no idea. <laughs> That's not encouraging, though. I'm going to think, I'm going to give more self-compassion to past Kayla and think about that. I think I would say that hope is more important than you realize, and it's also more difficult to hold on to than you realize. Um, And to go back to the question that you retracted, um, I was going to say my neighbors, um, but but similarly, because they show me what it means to have hope in the midst of, I mean, what feels to me like a hopeless situation. And so, um, yeah, just kind of what you were saying about how you can't walk away. Like, you believe it in the depths of who you are. And I think if we can maintain hope in the midst of immense suffering and injustice and inequality, if we can say, no, there is a better way, we'll be okay, you know? Thanks for getting both questions in there. (laughs) Sorry, I just kind of took that right out of your hand, Shannon. So if you want to still answer that. Oh, no, it's okay. I was, I was struggling. Um, I think that I would tell myself that, that you aren't going to have all the answers. Um, I think that um, not, not necessarily. My first instinct was to say, stop trying to have all the answers. But I, I think that that process was important for me. And that's okay, you know. Um, but yeah, I think I certainly am not where I hope I will be in 30 years to give like sage wisdom or whatever. But I think that like um, learning to love a God who is mystery is really important. And it's okay that we, it is appropriate even that we don't have the answers. That reminds me of a song. I think it's Charlie Hall called Mystery. And it's such a good worship song to just sit in that tension of like acknowledging that there's so much we don't know and that it's kind of meant to be that way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Do you have any other thoughts for your younger self, Kayla? Well, I was thinking about the question that you retracted. Okay. Or answer that one. <laughs> and I just love that word retracted. <laughs> I know. It's an approval. But I think um, I think I see the face of God in my daughter, Eliza, who is two, who does not show me um, what I have kind of expected that I would see from her and yet I've gotten something so much greater I can't look at my husband right now because I'll get sad but it's we've experienced maybe like the deepest sorrow and the most profound joy in being with her and being together and seeing each other 
and she just loves me because she loves me and I love her because I love her and thank you for sharing that that's really important and I think all of us that's such a core need that we just need to be seen and loved for who we are and and you ladies have modeled that so well and what you talk about and what you're doing here and so I just want to invite you guys to give it up for our podcasters. They are amazing. 